Welcome to the HTML All Things Podcast, episode 95, When Coding is Not Right for You. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or on the podcast platform that you're listening to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. There's only a couple of tiers, but the $3 tier will give you a shout-out in the podcast, and we will share a link to your website in our show notes. And the most important one is just to tell your friends that we're here and ready to be listened to, and if you or your friends are ready to go a step further... You can come out in our Discord server. we got tons of people in there chatting away, giving off podcast suggestions as this episode is themed after, talking about different uh, coding things, asking questions, etc., etc. So come and hang out with us there. But as we always do, weekly pain points. So, Mike, please take it away. All right. Uh, weekly pain point this week is needing a break. Um, I've been kind of getting burnt out over the last few months, I would say, ever since COVID started with the pressure of COVID and all the like work kind of ramped up even, and I'm not complaining about that because it's great to have a job at this time. Uh, it's just been a lot, like a lot of work and a, very little time to just kind of have for myself. So this weekend, I kind of just took a break, uh, took half a Friday off and took all of Monday off to give myself a little bit of an extra long weekend. And yeah, I just did like some gardening, um, did some just workouts, relaxed, played some games, watched some TV drank some beer, stuff like that. I did, like, it was a really good, like, balanced weekend where I didn't do programming at all. And I didn't think about hat even. I didn't think about my other, like, the other work that I have to do. Nothing, just pure, like, house stuff and myself. So much needed, was great, would highly recommend if anyone's in the same same situation. What about you, Matt? Cool. Uh, so my, uh, my weekly pain point is actually COVID restrictions at work. And that's obviously not... Uh, relating to our office or anything as we don't have an office it's relating to some client stuff so we're not going to get into the details of it of course for security purposes and that type of thing confidentiality however it's just a matter of some uh, of our clients since we work with different clients are sort of opening up a little bit more and some are not and we aren't and so there's a bit of a desync in terms of how locked down we are versus how locked down they are. Also, I'm dealing with a family thing, which I'm not going to get into publicly. Uh, that requires me to be uh, locked down a little bit more due to some immunocompromisation, if that's a word. So it's just like a bit of a weird business versus versus personal versus world desync in our COVID, uh, COVID, I don't know, restrictions, I guess. Ontario, which is where we live, is slowly opening up, um, you know, every day, every week or whatever. I don't really follow the news too closely, but we are slowly opening up. And so obviously there's going to be some desync here, but that is what, uh, what my big problem was this week. But anyway, um, basically we are going to be talking about uh, some something that came right from our Discord server. And that is that, uh, you know, what coding is not right for you. And I, I, I want to, I don't want to... <laughs> I really felt bad writing this writing this title because I felt like it was like really clickbaity and whatever. But it it is true. There are times in which coding is not right for you. It's just the way it is. So I'm just gonna dive right in here to the intro. I'm gonna give this brief little introduction as as if I haven't been doing that already. And then I'll kind of jump into the segments and uh, we'll kind of see what I'm talking about. So this episode came straight from our Discord server uh, this week with a member asking us to tackle a common problem that we've all faced along our journey. Um, after trying to do web development and hitting a roadblock, many of us will question uh, whether we're able to code or even if we're capable of learning to code. And in this episode, we're going to explore science that coding might not be right for you. Uh, this doesn't mean that these signs apply to everyone at every position um, or that uh, position, I mean, like your job position, whether you're a project manager or whatever, whatever you're doing um, or that they cannot be overcome. Uh, these are just solely from our personal experiences and opinions. Now, I wrote most of these show notes, so they're mostly my personal experiences and opinions, uh, but I'm sure Mike will add his uh, take on them as well through the episode. So I want to just do a brief preamble to each each of the each of the two segments that are coming up. So segment one, we'll be tackling when coding is right for you in terms of a professional setting. So something like a web dev agency to work at uh, as a developer, for example. This do, these points don't really uh, don't really affect people that just code for the for themselves or code just for fun. If you're like a weekend coder that just likes to play with. Uh, Arduinos and stuff like that. You do web development or you just like playing with Arduinos to make your Christmas lights light up. You know, obviously these sort of 
productivity-ish steps, if you will, uh, don't really apply to you because you're just doing it for fun. It's your hobby. It's not your professional thing. Uh, and then also for segment number two, uh, segment number two is going to tackle roadblocks that are easy to hit along the way, but um, and, and these roadblocks make you want to quit, but that are not, right? So we're going to do a bit of a compare and contrast, are not clear-cut signs that coding isn't for you. Uh, so thanks to our uh, Discord user, a Discord uh, member for uh, suggesting this topic, and uh, let's just get right into it, I'd say. So segment number one, um, coding is not right for you. So I've divided this up into a few different segments. Uh, there's probably a whole bunch of reasons or high-level reasons as to why why coding wouldn't be for somebody, why, why coding wouldn't be for you. But I've divided it into three m sort of main headers that I've, I've talked of and then or talk or that I've thought of. And then I'll kind of talk about each one. So first one's going to be uh, when you just want your vision executed. Second one is going to be when you can't work under pressure. That's cannot work under pressure. And uh, when you need constant social interaction. So going right back to the beginning here, when you just want your vision executed. So it is very common for entrepreneurs to want to do everything themselves, even if what they're doing is complex, like coding. Coding is very complex. As a non-techie, so for example, if you're an artist, uh, an accountant, a fisherman, you know, whatever, you may have an idea for a website or an app experience for your customers. You might think, great, I can make this Instagram-like thing and it'll be great and they can send me all these pictures of their, their fish or something like that. So you may think that it's a good idea to start learning how to code yourself so that you can create your product and, and enact that vision exactly the way you want. Now I'm here to tell you, and again, these are my opinions, but I'm here to tell you that this is a bad idea because coding is very complex and brings with it many challenges that you just aren't straight up equipped to fix without years of experience or at least a lot of Googling and a lot of effort. Now this, coupled with the fact that your passion clearly lies within another field, like the art or, or like art or the great outdoors, stuff like that, this will only result in you getting frustrated and possibly rushing the job if it gets done at all. We all know that, and even if you're in the tech field, that if you rush something out for a customer, like if you rush out a uh, even a coming soon screen, the coming soon screens for customers are usually not super well put together or they're very obviously templated because they're not meant to be super quick. And if you're a person who is just doing this for the hustle and you just want your vision executed, you just want that cool app, you're going to be rushing each and every piece. You don't know that, you know, little transitions help. You don't know that having animation, CSS animations help. You don't know that there's a, there's, an easily readable format and a non-easily readable format in terms of typography and type and font size and that type of thing. You don't know that stuff because you're just not in into this. You're you're out there out on your boat fishing. You're out there painting. Whatever you're doing, you just don't know that type of stuff. Now, there comes the support aspect of an idea where you'll be responsible for fixing bugs and other things as well. So you're let's say you put your app together and it's all done, and even if it's kind of crappy, you do get man manage to get an audience. That support aspect is not going anywhere. You'll have to fix those bugs. Uh, you'll have to interact with customers that just maybe they aren't experiencing a bug but think they are or that they just need help signing up or whatever it is. Uh, you need to add new updates to the product, so different screen resolutions come out, uh, you know, higher DPI screens. So now your stuff looks blurry. You got to update your stuff. You need to be there for those things. It's your idea. You need to add new updates. You need to add new features to stay up because if you're, if you're successful, even if your app idea is thrown together, you're going to have people come after you and you're going to have people come after you in terms of competitors. They're going to build, build an app that's better than yours. So then you got to one up them, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this, even though it's a lot, is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, your app will need branding. It's going to need marketing. It's going to need art. It's going to need graphic design. It's going to need UX design, UI design, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of which just adds on to this enormous plate of learning to code in the first place. And this is especially true if you don't have any skills in those other areas as well. The artist in you might, maybe you're just an artist professionally and you might have all these other things, graphic design, UI design, or at least enough of it where you could do it and not hate it. But learning to code just to execute your vision, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute. It just doesn't make any sense. And so, and just as a sort of capstone to this thing is when you only want to code to execute a singular vision and not because you're interested in coding itself, then coding is not right for you. 
There's so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, the, the, I think what what I'm gonna do with this whole with all these segments is I'm gonna try to play devil's advocate with each one of these. Cool. And uh, and and just as a preface, I agree with everything that you're saying. A lot of everything that you're saying has very valid points, but I just want to give it from another perspective to maybe not scare away some people that like to just to just provide another set of another set of eyes on on the other side of it. And I'm sure you've thought about this too, Matt. It's just not written down here, which is fine because we we have to get it out. So with this one, this is the hardest one for me to kind of devil's advocate because I completely agree with this. If you're an entrepreneur, if your skill is being a marketer, if your skill is like coming up with that idea. There's no reason for you to learn to code if you can sell that idea, if you can, you know, tell a team, like get a team together and all that. If you're that kind of person and if you have that kind of capital assets and stuff like that and you can do that, your money is better spent giving it to better developers to get you a better product right off the bat. That's 100% true. Uh, This is the best one. But on the devil's advocate side of things, if you're just a person... You're sitting at home. You don't have a lot. You have a lot of time in your hands, and you have this idea of, let's say, selling gift boxes online. You just you're good at putting gifts together. Like you're really good at gifting, and you want to do that. It's a small idea, stuff like that. In those kinds of cases, there are certain cases where it's actually okay to get a little bit more involved in the project and do, spin it up yourself. Now, that doesn't mean going out and learning JavaScript, HTML, CSS. That's Probably what more more this is talking about, like the coding is not right for you, but picking up something like Squarespace or Wix to do it. Oh, yeah. That's not necessarily coding, but it is, you know, you are hands-on with that. You do have to do a lot of the maintenance of it and stuff like that. And you do have to get the layouts, the UX. Like there is a lot of, a lot to it still. Not everyone wants to do that, but it, it it is a way for you to be in control of your project. It is a way for you to save some money on the coding aspect. And when it's a small enough project or when it's just at the, at the beginning and you're just trying to get your foot in the door, I don't think there's any problem with that. I think that's why those tools are there. I think it's a great way for these kinds of people, for this exact group of people, when you just want your vision executed as quickly as possible, those tools are for you. If you're not in the stage of like, you're an entrepreneur already, you already have the capital assets, you already, you know, if you have those things, then your money is way better spent getting something professionally built uh, and get your idea out there in the best possible form. Then this is the one that I agree with the most. Um, But yeah, I'll pass it back to you, Matt, to continue. Yeah, that's a good, that is a good point though. Uh, Absolutely. That there are, there are consumer tools that replace the need for coding in certain aspects. There's logo makers out there even, for example. So, you know, if you're just starting out and you just want to get started and you just want to see if people are interested, or if you're a podcaster, you're an audio engineer, and you just really wanted to get something up and running, you can absolutely use a consumerized tool. You know, Mike and I could build a Patreon-like thing for ourselves, not for, as a non-platform, just for ourselves and have tiers and that type of thing. But no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to spend our time doing that. We're going to use the consumer product and we're going to use, we're going to use Patreon. We're going to use that, that product because we're not going to spend time on that. And that's perfect for people that literally don't even know how Patreon or what, how it works or how we, what are even a database is, you know, they don't know what it is. Of course, use those consumer products. Th- these are absolutely specifically about people that are like i want like the full control so i'm gonna learn how to code it's like no that's ridiculous it's too much you might love cars but if you hate fixing them you're not gonna learn how like the oil viscosity works in certain cars or something you're not gonna do that right you're gonna let a mechanic handle that and you're gonna drive the car that's basically how it is um so second one here then second high uh high level point is gonna be uh when you can't cannot specifically when you can't work under pressure so whether it's, uh, you know, different businesses in the same field or completely different fields altogether, the amount of pressure that a workplace puts on you varies wildly. So I just want to point that out that every job has some sort of pressure. It, you know, it could be near zero. It could be, you know, if you're talking about a zero to 100 scale, it could be, you know, 100. It could be extremely stressful, 100 stress. It could be one, you know, whatever. Like it varies so wildly in all the fields and everything like that. So... An example would be typically, let's say a startup with limited funds and a short and short deadlines, you know, that's going to be go, 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 go 100% of the time. And that can be very, very stressful. And the same goes actually for bigger companies too. So you might think, oh, the startups are stressful. I'll go to the bigger companies. Well, that's not necessarily where you want to be. Could you imagine being on the front lines of, let's just say, let's just use a bank in Canada, TD Canada Trust, total just example. 
TD Canada tries it. TD. Let's imagine that, I mean, they have online tools. That's a real thing. And let's imagine that you are right on the front lines. You're one of the head guys that keeps that website up. All of a sudden, the their entire global website network or whatever goes down. That's not something that is a non-stress with no pressure. That's not something you can look at next week. That's something you're going to look at right now. Like, right immediately, right now, drop everything. Hang up the phone if you're on, the, if you're on a call and start looking right now. Of course, right? Um, so, that's there, there's some pressure. And uh, anyway, so sometimes it's just, you know, if you want to take it out of this completely and you're, you want, you want to say like, no, I'm not going to be on the front lines. I'm going to work for a big company. I'm not going to be on the front lines. And so I'm going to have a stable job. That's that, you know, that's possible, but there's sometimes just general pressure, if you will. So that general pressure can be just to hit deadlines. And sometimes those deadlines are quickly approaching or sometimes they weren't planned out properly. And therefore, they didn't give you enough time. And a three-week job was quoted at you know at a one-week deadline, and so there's there's some panic there. There's you know that there there there's some pressure there. There is some pressure there. And developers can sometimes, depending on the size of the company, luck out. Okay, by having an IT department there, sometimes that IT department will absorb most of the day-to-day issues that come up. The IT department works with the software that you're you're putting out, and so they'll deal with it and that type of thing. And then they'll only really pass it off to you if it's something very serious or if a major bug is surfaced and you know, a bunch of clients are complaining about it, that type of thing. But you know, this is. It isn't guaranteed. Like, there's no job out there that has no pressure. Even a gardener, if you want to talk about being, like, super chill, the first thing comes to me, comes to mind, is is a gardener. Even a gardener has a deadline. You know, put that fountain in. We got to go put the next the next door neighbor's fountain in. We got to hurry up here. That's a little bit of pressure. And so, if you can't work under pressure and you can't work under those type of conditions, you know, you might lock out and get that IT department and you might find a super chill office, but more times, more often than not, developers and specifically tech jobs are under a lot of pressure same with it positions again maybe some of the higher level it guys are under less pressure that's usually a perk of being a higher level it but there's still pressure no matter what there's still deadlines there's still the stuff like that there's still always the uh possibility of an incident happening and something coming down and if you're in those startup companies you are going to get a little bit of everything. You might be a little bit of IT today. You might be a little bit of a copywriter tomorrow. You're going to be all over the place. And so some people love that stuff and some people love bouncing around and other people just can't take it. And so that's why when you can't, when you can't work under pressure, you're just, you're just done. So, and so as another capstone, if you will, if you're unable to handle, you know, checking your phone in the morning only to see that everything's kicked off and you're needed urgently to fix an issue that you've never even heard of, then coding is not right for you. So with this one, again, mostly agree, but there is an asterisk where there is, and, and Matt kind of mentioned it, that there are certain jobs that are more lax, but it's not even about being lax. There, You can be a, have a certain type of skill set. Like, let's say you're an SQL developer that has high experience in developing SQL databases, the structures, the schemas, all that. In certain in instances, you can state in your contract that you have a, you know, a 48-hour response time period like for any re- response if you're a high enough level ex- expert it's something that you can't put forward now not everyone's going to agree to it because like matt said a lot of the tech companies out there are go 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 are like we need to get this done in two hours or less otherwise you're fired stuff like that there's a lot of that but there are a lot of people that are just looking for good develop good developers to set up their infrastructure and then, you know, then hire some people on to actually maintain it and stuff like that. Um, and that's where maybe the niche that you could find if you really don't want to work under pressure. So if you're get into get involved with something that you really enjoy and that you're really good at, that's a big thing. Like you have to be really good at something. If you don't want to be if you don't want to be into the front lines and stuff like that, you got to be the expert in this case. But if you are, if you're really good at something, you can put yourself out there as someone that works with a longer turnaround time. But you're going to get the job done really well and you're going to get a really good base for that company and stuff like that. So there are ways around it. There's probably other ways around the, the pressure thing. But in general, Matt, like Matt's correct. Like you got to be able to handle being able to, you know, receive a call every once in a while in the evening or on a weekend and having to handle it. When you're receiving calls every day in the evening and every day on the weekend and like multiple calls and you're constantly going around, then there's something wrong with that workplace. But you know, any workplace has mess ups, stuff happens. If it's once in a while, that's something you have to be able to handle. And it's just, it's one of those 
you know, things that go hand to hand with being a developer. And in, in, in terms of those workarounds, actually, some of them will be something like on shift work. So, you know, we brought up TD as an example. Again, this is to- a total hypothetical. We're not actually talking about uh, how they work, but they could have people on shift in terms of if you're maybe you don't need to work late because they have a 24 seven crew, you work a 12 hour shift and then they work a 12 hour shift in their IT department or something. And so you just hand off whatever it is. So there's pressure as in you got to like start looking at it right now and give progress updates. And you might not understand the issue. That's a big one that people uh, collapse under pressure when they see an issue that they don't even know how to tackle at all. That's a big one. But it helps when you're like, oh, you know, this issue came in at five, I'm done at six. And then at six, you know, Jim's going to come in. I got to keep him up to speed, send him all my stuff. And then I'm going home. That might help. Bigger companies will have that 24 seven crew or an on-call where they're, where you go home and you're like, if this is urgent enough, engage the on-call person type of thing. And so that helps on, on call is another one too. That's, that's a lot of pressure if you do that. So, and also another thing <clears throat> that Mike, that Mike had mentioned too, was the different, if you're receiving a, you know, a phone call all the time, that type of thing. I saw a thread recently and just to kind of mention in relation to what what we're talking about here is some people were commenting as to whether or not developers, I think we may have talked about it on the show too, is whether we should be doing constant uh, overtime. And there's some places that some, some people that were saying, I've been a developer for 10 plus years and I've never worked overtime. And anyone who has us work overtime is indeed mismanaging things. So sometimes you can lock out with, uh, company. Sometimes the company is short staffed. Sometimes the company is scummy and they're trying to take advantage of the people. Sometimes they're in a bind and they're not trying to take advantage of you, but they have to take, maybe not take advantage, but they have to leverage their people and be like, Hey, stay an extra hour every day. Cause we need help. Something like that. So it, the, the, the situations vary wildly. And it's just a matter of whether you personally can handle that wild variance, I guess is, is, is how, is how that works. Um, the next point, next high level point here is going to be when you need constant social interaction. So despite what some newfangled offices say, there are, there are many times when you're, you know, programming and you're just alone, you're just sitting there typing away. It's very common to see people in an office setting, uh, sitting there quote unquote alone with their headphones on completely absorbed in what they're doing on their screen. Programming requires a lot of typing, obviously a lot of problem solving and innovative thinking. And as a result, it can't really be done while talking to other people. Collaboration, team meetings, and helping one another certainly does happen. There is some of that social interaction, of course, but it doesn't mean that you'll be chatting away all day as you would in, say, like a hotel concierge's position. You need time to sit down and just code away because you need to solve those problems and actually just eventually code it out. And it's hard to talk to somebody constantly or like deal with their problem while you're problem solving yourself. So... Again, as a capstone, this is a bit of a shorter one. If you're a social butterfly that needs social interaction throughout the day, then coding is not right for you. So this one, uh, the easiest way around this, in my opinion, is consulting. And there's quite a bit of consulting jobs out there for coders where you'll kind of be in a pair programming situation where you'll almost exclusively be in a one-on-one situation or a one-on-team situation looking at people's codes, talking about the code at the same time as you're looking at it as they're coding and correcting little things here and there, maybe showing different structures. I could see that being a way around the need for constant social interaction. Of course, having said that, getting to the point where you can become a consultant most likely will require you to put your head down with your headphones on and learning all these concepts that you're going to be consulting on. So it is kind of like a, you know, snake biting the tail situation uh, where you do need to be be able to do both. Uh, so it, it's a little bit harder to get around. But if you're willing to put in the time initially being a little bit more, you know, less social interaction, you can transition to a job with much more social interaction in the future, like consulting, like being a team lead, stuff like that will require a lot more interaction than just being, you know, a lead developer or just a senior developer on a project. Consulting and uh, you and I had actually just discussed as well project management. If you, if there's pro, you know those managers in each position where they can be technical and not or even non technical, even if the team is technical. But if you are able to 
master your pro your project planning skills and you're able to get into that third position you're going to be talking to people all day and just relaying technical stuff back to non-technical staff and vice versa that type of thing so that that'll also work as well um so that kind of ends that or that does end segment number one coding is not right for you and we'll kind of jump right into segment number two here which is too eager to quit so problem solving, uh, or excuse me, programming is problem solving in the language of computers. It's taking a problem like I'd like to be able to control my lamps from this website and engineering a solution within the capabilities of your computing environment to eventually create something like the Google Home app, for example. So this means that programming is no easy feat. People never said that programming was easy, just that it's possible. And to be clear, if you think you've heard that before, I think I've heard that before in a podcast as well. I just don't remember where I heard it, so credit nope, that's to it. you're you're coining the phrase. You're coining the phrase. There's Matt's coining the phrase. Jesus. Yep, that's it. Anyway, up in arms. Adam at Twitter. Well, if you, if you've heard Twitter. it before, I didn't copy it. I just I'm giving <laughs> loose credit to thank you to whoever said that because I like that quote. Anyway. Um, hitting walls, uh, or being unable to think of the next step in your problem solving is a natural reaction, um, is a natural, is a natural, hang on a minute, can't, can't read and speak apparently at the same time. Hitting walls or being unable to think of the next step in your problem solving is a natural reaction. So when being presented with a problem, uh, a difficult, uh, problem to think through. So you might just think to yourself, you may, you, you hit something really really uh, trying to think of something I hit recently where, well, I've hit a wall trying to pump RSS feeds around freaking services, but anyway, not going to go there, but like, I just don't know where to go now. So now I'm thinking now, now I've hit a brick wall and you're like, do I make my own service? Is this something that I'm not supposed to be doing? Like, what do I do? What do I do? And those issues get really complex when you're really deep into a project and you have some sort of weird bug with like a database or something like that. And that can really, really screw you up. You're going to be like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this. And it's a natural reaction to hit a brick wall and not even know how to really engineer it. And this is especially true if you're entering into uncharted waters, um, either completely, so inventing something totally new, um, or if it's new to you. So there's two... I'll divvy those up so when it's when it's completely new uh so you're inventing something actually brand new so if you're pioneering something like maybe you're one of the first people to try out a new programming language uh, or a different library for example it can be difficult to see your project stall out while others around you don't and what, what i mean by that is there's so many libraries and so many tools and so many things out there where somebody might be making something that competes with you that is actually on an older, maybe they're just using straight PHP, for example, and you're trying to use some some other newfangled thing, let's just call it PHP 2, I don't know, some brand new thing, and you want to pioneer this because you think it's going to be better performance and stuff like that, and you're going to have trouble with that, like you're going to have trouble building on PHP 2, and it's going to suck when you look over and see that they're further ahead than you. But you are, you know, you're kind of invent, not maybe not inventing something new, but you're you're doing something totally new and totally new to the community as well. They would get stuck, but they're not doing the same thing, and that's sort of that's sort of what I mean by that. So, so just an example of that right now, a really relevant one is Deno. Uh, I don't know if you heard about what what that is, but it's a Node. I don't know if it's. I think it's a Node replacement almost. So that one of the creators of Node uh, has started to create a new backend platform. Okay. That's built on Rust, I believe. I'm not I'm not too up with the with the technology of it, but I, I know it has like some advantages over Node and stuff. But essentially it's a completely new system that's trying to, you know, be better than Node. So it's a very similar situation where they're building something new. Mm -hmm. But Node already exists and it is going forward. So they're probably going in through a lot of like roadblocks and uh hit, hitting walls and stuff like that and seeing Node kind of perform over them. Even something as simple as making a button, you know, Node and whatever else, like Node with whatever add-ons for the front end and all the rest of it can easily make a button, you know, click and do something, you know, like fire off a, an email or something. Whereas I'm sure these guys, they probably have to think think about that a little longer. They have to think like, damn, like how does this work? It, it It's rough because somebody else might be doing this, might be getting the same result and not stalling out. But that's just because you're doing, you're pioneering something. You're in a completely new new piece. And also, even if it isn't something completely new, like if it's just new to you, right? So it, it's easy to be overwhelmed when you see other people excelling at a particular programming language or maybe a, t a type of programming while you're struggling. But what you don't see from those people is how they got where they are. Since you're new at it, of course you're going to do you're going to do worse than them. Of course, hundred percent. And there's no deadline for catching up to them necessarily. I mean, unless your boss is yelling at you to get something done, but 
you know that there's no, he's not going to say get as good as Jim over there. That, that's ridiculous. So they might have a background, you know, that that person, Jim, in this case, Jim might have a background in something similar that propelled them forward. Um, or they might only excel at one thing. They might just really excel at this RSS thing. And then you, you're just like, how the hell, like, what am I doing here? Like why, you know, you're getting stuck. Meanwhile, you're good at four or five other things, but you feel like an idiot because you can't get this RSS feed to work. And he's just ripping through RSS feeds, but he would probably feel like an idiot if you showed him those other four things. So it's, you know, it's a two-way street there. Um, and then so after you've been programming for a while, so this is sort of another another kind of high-level point. So after you've been programming for a while, um, having gotten through a bunch of the different issues and, you know, you've been there, you've done bug fixes, you've been, you've hit roadblocks and you're still there and whatever else, you'll gain a good amount of confidence that you'll be able to do anything. You'll think, wow, you know, I've solved all these things. I've built these three projects and blah, 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 et cetera. And then, and then inevitably, inevitably, you're going to hit another brick wall in your troubleshooting, you know, maybe troubleshooting a bug or seeing some new thing, some new uh, library or something for the first time. You're going to hit a brick wall. Um, or maybe engineering a solution. Someone comes to you and says like, hey, can we add MP3 transcoding into this thing? And you're like, what? Like, what? Like, what's going on? And so you might get completely, completely smashed right into a brick wall. All that confidence is shattered basically. And at that point it can be so easy to think, to think to yourself that you actually don't understand anything and that it's time to throw in the towel. And you think like, oh, I'm a complete newbie. I have no idea anything about playing MP3 files. Like what, the, like, what am I doing? Like I'm, I must be an idiot. Like MP3 files, like they're super common. Why don't I know how to put them into this player and play them? That type of thing. But everyone gets stuck at every level of programming. And it's something to keep in mind. Every single level. You could be, you could have programmed since, since, you know, Atari, the original Atari. You could have been a programmer then and you could be a programmer now. And they're going to hit brick walls too. You're going to hit brick walls at the beginning through the end of your career. Taking a break, sleeping on it, or just switching tasks to something else than coming back actually does wonders for these type of problems. If you, even if there's a deadline coming up, sometimes you just have to take like two hours off, you take two hours off, you leave, you come back and you just nail it out of the park. Prime example, yesterday I was working on a site and I just really wasn't feeling it really like I was like, I, I know this has to get done, but I just, this is a disaster. And so I stopped doing that. I started working on a little bit of hat stuff. And then I came back today and I literally finished it in like 10, 15 minutes and, and I just ripped through it. And that's just how that sometimes you just need to give your brain a break because it's I mean, I'm not a brain expert, but it, it's in like a rut. It just, it just doesn't, it probably what it is, is it probably doesn't want to think about it anymore. It's like, I'm done with this. Like, I don't want to do this. So you need to take a break, take a step back. And it does actually do wonders for stuff. And also don't be afraid to Google answers constantly. People, people always seem to shy away from that. They think, oh, I'm experienced now. I don't need Google. I don't need help. Well, you might not need help in some of the areas that you used to Google. You know, now you might be able to say, hey, that's probably the database. Hey, that's probably this. Hey, that's probably that. A prime example would be IT. If I see certain, certain behavior from a computer, I can generally tell you two to three areas that it might be in. I can just look at it and be like, yep, it's probably this. If it's ticking, probably the hard drive. If it's not waking up from sleep, probably the GPU. Uh, you know, I just know that stuff. And that stuff I used to Google. And I just know that stuff. But if I have a weird one where it always wakes up from sleep, but the screen's purple, uh, well, my experience tells me GPU, but is it that? Because why is it still rendering properly just in purple? And so that would be a weird thing where I hit a brick wall and I would have to Google that. And so that's fine. Just Google it. Who cares, right? That's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and a big thing with, with this is all these points are trying to point out that it's not impossible. Like it, it, coding is difficult. There's a lot of instances in coding that are really difficult. But the point is don't quit. Like if you're really into it, if you really want to be a coder – if you're actually like seriously dedicated to doing this as a job, you have to be prepared to not quit because there's going to be a lot of points throughout your career where you're going to be like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just the truth. Like you're going to have a situation where, like you said, you're going to have to build something new, something that hasn't been built before or something that's been built, but you have to combine it with 15 different other things. And you're going to have a situation where you're like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't even know where to start. I don't want to do this. That's going to happen. And then the imposter syndrome is going to start setting in. That is absolutely going to happen to you. You have to be able to work through that. It's something, it's a skill that you develop over time. It's not something that you're going to be able to just pick up right away and just be able to power through everything. But it's something that you have to be willing to work on with yourself. 
not everything is going to come easy. There's going to be some things that you're going to be better at than someone else. There's going to be some things you're going to be worse at. And it's just something you have to accept and move forward at your pace and not someone else's pace. You have to be willing to do that. That's the point that I think the main point I think that you're trying to make, Matt, is like, don't be too eager to quit. If you are too eager to quit, then you're right. Coding is not right for you. Yeah, that, that, that might be another that might be another point, actually, is if, if you're if you're really eager to quit all the time it, it, without hitting an issue, if you're just you, you start and you know what you're doing. and You're just like, damn, I want to stop doing this. Then maybe coding isn't isn't right for you. But exactly. it, it, it's these roadblocks that really that will really sort of define you. It, these roadblocks and all these points that I just mentioned in, the, in segment two here are things that absolutely will make you eager to quit. You will want to stop doing them, but it, if you, if you still want the end result, generally, if you still want the end result and you're willing to put in the work to do it, but it's an, it's an external circumstance. So maybe the deadline is the thing that's stressing you out and you're like, damn, I don't want to do this. Or maybe it's the office, uh, the office itself. And you're, you know, the, the, maybe the whole business is mismanaged that you're working in and you're just getting absolutely slammed and you're getting, you know, beat up. You might be like, I can't be a developer. I don't want to do this anymore, but maybe it's a matter of changing jobs. Um, I would say an easier way to think of it is like you and I just had this conversation, Mike, about our own projects as a business versus doing client work and you know, how, what, what motivations are different and how we treat different ones and just sort of like a structural, you know, catch up as to, you know, if, if hat has an issue, how do we handle that? If a client has an issue, how do we handle that type of thing? And in my opinion, if, if you can take the project that you're working on and you can imagine you doing it yourself in your own basement or your own office or wherever the hell you code and you think to yourself, you know, this is my project. I'm not being yelled at. Maybe a customer's yelling at you, but like, you know, I'm not being yelled at by, uh, by a boss of some sort. And, you know, I built this platform and the customers really want this up. Are you stressed out about fixing the issue? Do you want the issue fixed? Or are you so done that even if you own that project, you don't want to fix it? I think that is a big thing. If we build the hat site up and, or when we build the hat site, and then the hat site, you know, falls apart. If I, and this is Mike and my project, if I don't have the motivation to fix that site, then, then we're in trouble. You know, of course there's issues in which like, maybe if I'm burnt out due to something else, I might not want to fix it. But in general, if my, on a good day, if my motivation is not to fix that site, we got a problem. It means that maybe I don't want to code this thing anymore. I don't want to work on hat anymore. I don't want to work on whatever. That's sort of where this came from was, was the thought of, are you being like, Oh, I have to fix this. Like, this is so dumb. Or are you being like, Oh, I have to fix this. Cause I want my, like, I want it up. Do you want to still reach that level? That's sort of where this second segment came from. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like regardless, it's just, you need to, you need to have that mindset, uh, to be able to push through. And it's again, we're not trying to gatekeep or anything like that. This episode's not about gatekeeping and being like, oh, you can't code. No, that it's actually the opposite of that. These things, these conditions where you can't code in quotes, isn't saying that a single person can't code. No, it's saying that you have to be willing to go through this, this process. You have to be willing, you yourself have to make this, make the situation for yourself to become okay with actually doing these things to be able to be able to go through the troubleshooting to be able to you know uh code it yourself to be able to live without constant interaction to be able to work under pressure stuff like like all these things you have to be willing to do yeah i mean it's a it, it's a hard road and i think that if you focus and it's a, it's a hard road to do anything i don't know what's going on over there mike i hear like someone who like minecrafting your home bashing bashing on the uh, freaking balcony walls i don't know what's, what the hell's going it's on just they're beating beating the crap out of their own home there but yeah but it it's it's one of those it's one of those things where everything you do is a hard road learning to stream was a hard road and that was a hobby but i was and like i stream games so i got you know i was motivated enough i wanted to do it enough and then i just did it this podcast sometimes we're super tired like i've been working crazy hours you you worked you worked crazy hours too and you know took some time off and we still delivered the episode last week when you were burnt out and this week too like you i'm sure you could use this time to get ahead on some projects or something but 
you know, we still do that. That's, I think, what it is, is if, you, if you're willing to show up and you want to show up, maybe sometimes, like, there are episodes where one of us isn't feeling it. We're too busy. We're tired. But we still get it done, right? Or sometimes we delay it or something if there's a long weekend, of course. But, like, you know, we still do the thing. If it's, if it's to the point where you're just like, damn, like, I really don't want to freaking record today. Like, if you wake up and say that, like, it's like, all right, well, this, you know, maybe you don't actually want to be a person that's on podcasts, for example, right? Taking out of coding, so... Uh, but I think I think we'll move on to uh, we'll hear Mike talk uh, a little more here. He, he's got a pretty juicy PWA uh, PWA web news. So Mike, please take it away, sir. Okay. Uh, so web news this week is actually a piece of web news, which is becoming rarer and rarer for us. Uh, we usually, you know, web news is usually about multitudes of topics, from technology to you know UX to just how we're feeling at that certain certain time. Uh, but right now it's a piece of actual web news. Microsoft is spearheading PWA support. So I read an article, uh, we'll link it in the show notes on medium, uh, about how Microsoft is making edge the best browser for PWAs. And I, I went through it and there's a lot of really good points. So with, with PWAs, if you, if you're not familiar, they're progressive web apps. And essentially what you do is you create a website Put in some config file, a couple of different things like icon, icons and stuff like that, and it'll automatically detect that it's a web, a PWA, and allow you to install it as a quote-unquote native-like experience on your platform. And the reason that it's interesting is because it's starting to become useful on almost any platform out there. Like Safari has them, Microsoft has them built into their regular desktop OSs. Then the mobile OSs all have them. So um, iOS and Android both have native PWA support to a pretty high level at this point. Uh, tablet OSs have them, like iOS tablet. Uh, iPad OS ha- has PWA support. Almost every platform out there. I, I'm trying to think of one that doesn't. I'm not sure if Linux does, but I'm sure it does because I don't. I don't see why. It I'm wouldn't. not sure if Linux does, but I'm sure it I'm, does. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it does. I'm just not. I'm just not like I don't have a an article saying that it does have PWA support. But regardless, right. most of the most of the platforms and definitely most of the user base out there has access to these PWAs, and all it takes is a couple extra steps on top of building a website or a web app. That's the beauty of it. So. What is Microsoft doing that's a little bit different now to make PWAs uh, better is creating new APIs like customizable title bars. They have native file system access, which is pretty big. Like you can access the regular file explorer from it. They're adding badges uh, to the Microsoft store. Now all the other stores currently have badges. Microsoft is now adding them just to be clear. And the big thing is, is that they're giving you an easy path to the Microsoft store. Now, again, they've already had an easy path and the easy path is literally type in your URL into PWA builder, which is a Microsoft app. And it will create a packaged application that you can then automatically submit to the Microsoft store. So as long as you have the PWA built as a PWA, it's a one-step process. That's it. And you have it on an actual app store with all that app store's capabilities in place, which is really cool. Um, But what they're doing now is they're adding support for the Chromium edition inside of PWA Builder. So before, it was only accessible with the Microsoft Edge edition without Chromium, which had a lot of which had a lacking of APIs. Like it didn't have all these file system APIs, didn't have the badges, didn't have the customizable title bars. It didn't have the stuff that I just talked about. Plus some other things were severely lacking from the edge version. Uh, Now it's using the Chromium one. In the next few months, the PWA builder will catch up to it as well, which is really cool. Uh, So there's a lot of other things that are going on with PWAs. For instance, I keep my ear to the ground pretty, pretty intensely because one of our apps in production for a client that I work for is a PWA. And we've had an issue where the camera package wasn't being able to work inside of a Safari system, inside of iOS, uh, inside of iOS Safari. So we weren't able to use one of our app, one of our functions in our app because of that limitation. Recently, and I'm talking like three weeks ago, in the newest iOS version, I think it was like 13.4, they just added support for camera functionality for PWAs. So essentially, uh, Android already had it, Microsoft has it, now iOS has it. 
There's almost no difference now between the Safari version. I believe the only big difference is that they don't have push notifications in PWAs for iOS. So you can't push notify. If that's something that uh, that uh, Apple is working on, I'm not sure. I hope they are, but it's not a huge deal right now, in my opinion. It's still something that you can probably work around uh, with emails and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so it, it it seems like it's becoming a first class citizen. It seems that PWAs are becoming pretty mainstream. I know like Twitter PWA I've talked about before. There's plenty more now. Like I'm seeing more and more pop up. I think uh, Microsoft Outlook has a PWA that you can install. Uh, what what's more? I think that you have you named a few more. Matt, oh, the me- last time uh, we messages! About this. I actually use a bunch. So uh, on Windows here, so messages does like Android messages, the SMS and RCS platform. Uh, I believe the WhatsApp, uh, the WhatsApp web version, I believe is a PWA. Uh, see, the thing is, and and just to mention this as an aside, you can actually install a bunch of apps as like a home screen icon on Windows now. And so sometimes I forget if it's actually a PWA. The messages one for sure is. Uh, oh, Google Drive is is one as well. Um, but sometimes it'll have that install thing, but sometimes you can just go into the thing and just say add as home screen and I just use it like a PWA even though it isn't. Because like a bunch of these apps require internet anyway. So if the internet goes out, I mean, I can't use it anyway. Yeah. So what, one thing that they are actually adding is if it's a PWA now, you'll actually be able to install, manage, and uninstall the app uh, from the programs oh, in Windows. So it'll cool. actually show up there as a, as a regular native app. Sweet. So that's one thing that Window, that Microsoft is adding uh, in, the, in the upcoming releases, I think. It kind of sounds like since they went to Edge Chromium, uh, their innovation can shine, whereas they don't need to stem or spend i guess that innovation on working on the uh the edge engine or whatever they're able to just say like okay chromium is what we're using now let's work on things like collections and sync and having our microsoft account work in certain ways with this and pwas and they're able to take all that power and say okay like all that manpower and thought power and just say okay let's just do a bunch of other stuff you know and which is pretty cool uh the collections are cool i haven't really used them i've seen them in use I probably will start using them. Uh, it's just, it's it's in it, it's it's actually the same. To be honest, it's it's the same thing we're seeing on Android, where Microsoft now no longer needs to worry about Windows Phone, and so you're seeing Microsoft Launcher and Outlook and SwiftKey and all these other apps. There's tons of more. All these other apps shine and they link with computers and they they partnered with Samsung and then link to Windows is like a big thing and. Uh, uh, OneDrive syncing right from the Samsung gallery is a big thing and all that stuff. And and, and all that stuff is huge. Uh, I got rid of OneDrive, the app, syncing to or syncing my photo roll or camera roll or whatever you want to call it. And now it uh, now I sync via the, the gallery app from Samsung. I connected those two. And Samsung, that like because I did that in the gallery app, it was smart enough and it even gave me a notification saying, we noticed that you were syncing via the camera roll and the OneDrive app and we've turned that off. And so it's in because the 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 gal I'm sorry but the gallery in OneDrive is garbage but the gallery on Samsung is nice because like they're the 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 person that runs the camera of course and runs the device and so and so you get a better viewing experience while still being able to use use your Microsoft thing now I I will say that they probably should upgrade the photo viewing experience on OneDrive but this is still an innovation that we're seeing which is super cool uh one of the things I had from my one of my Samsung phones was. I had, uh, we had, uh, I had a Tab Pro S, so maybe this is more or less a Samsung innovation, but I, I, I have a Tab Pro S and I had the S8 Plus and what I did was, uh, it had some sort of security chip in both or something where before Windows Hello was really a big thing, I could unlock my computer from my phone. I would use my fingerprint on my phone and it would unlock my computer and so, or my Tab Pro S and that, so that, like there's cool innovations in, in that regard as well. Like there's some, there's some there's some pretty pretty sweet things happening in in that regard, and so you're kind of seeing Microsoft take off with innovation when they don't have to maintain a whole platform and a whole bunch of OS crap. I mean, obviously the Windows, but you know what I mean. I I completely agree, and I give full kudos to Microsoft to be able to integrate with all these different systems. It's something that Apple refuses to do for the most part. Like they do it in in little things here and there, but they really don't want to allow other ecosystems into their ecosystem. Like they're very much against that. Everyone knows that. That's their thing. 
Microsoft is going the exact opposite direction. Like they want every ecosystem, like they have Linux almost fully built into Microsoft at this point. And they're only expanding that. Like you're going to have Linux subsystems being able to run multiple Linux subsystems in Microsoft at some point. Like it's going to be crazy, which is awesome because there's a lot of things you can do with Linux that you can't do with Windows. And if you can combine those two, you're almost accounting for everything that a user needs to do. Other than the fact that there's some Mac OS stuff that they're just not letting people do, like you use Xcode and stuff like that. So I like the direction that Microsoft is going, um, whether it be for profits or for the community management, you know, appeasing communities, stuff like that. I don't really care as long as they keep going in that direction. Just keep being open, keep doing innovative things, keep using already great platforms like the Samsung mobile, mobile gallery, like Chromium, uh, like stuff like that, and building on top of it, making it better than the competitors. Just build features. That's oh, yeah. what we want. Everyone wants like really good features on a good base. So yes, ideally, in an ideal world, Edge would have been amazing, and it would have been a great competitor to Safari and Chrome in an ideal world. But the problem is, is that not only would it have to be amazing, you would have to drive adoption. So you would have to put a ton of time, ton of time and money into marketing oh, and yeah. getting out of that stigma of Internet Explorer. Hundred percent. So that all that money that they're putting in to now building features would have had to go into marketing to be able to get some. And they did do that for a long time. They thought that they would that that was their goal. Edge was supposed to be their way out of Internet Explorer shadow. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They they couldn't get there because all that money that they put in, they just couldn't build Edge to up to Chromium standard or Firefox standard. They just couldn't get like they didn't understand how to update the up the the browser. Like they had to update only during major updates, which is crazy to me. Stuff like that. Like it was there was certain things that were extremely lacking, um, and they decided to abort and go the other way, which is I I applaud them for that. Now another thing that I want to mention with PWAs. Uh, is there is limitations because it's a web app after all. A web app is a web app and you're only going to be able to do so much. Like web apps are very heavily single-threaded applications. Mm-hmm. There are some things you can do on a ba- on, on separate threads, but you don't really have much control over that. Um, you, can, you can do certain calculations and stuff, but what I'd love to see come out of this is once everyone adopts these PWAs and they become mainstream for a lot of very common applications, stuff like Instagram, stuff like Facebook, stuff that doesn't need crazy processing but could use it, I would love for money to go into developing the JavaScript engine to be better performant. So get something going. Like I know WebAssembly is a thing. Mm -hmm. Get that into more mainstream hands. I know service workers is a thing. Get great apps using service workers everywhere get threading to work properly get as much performance out of javascript or whatever you can build on top of javascript like something that like may or whatever replaces javascript whatever get something out there that's better performant so that every application can be built in a pwa format because right now you're still limiting apps like you're, you can't do everything in a pwa it's just not possible you can build basic apps new sites uh messaging sites all that stuff great in pwas oh yeah easy yeah exactly as soon as you go something a little bit heavier like media management um something like uh you know filters for cameras stuff like that you're starting to go down because pwas don't have native access to the camera that's another that's another big problem uh, the problem that I have to run into where you just don't get the quality that you would get from a native access API like camera to API on Android. Uh, I can't remember what the one on iOS is called, but there is a separate API to access native camera features on iOS. That's only available for Swift and uh, Objective-C obviously. So those are the, those are the leaps that PWAs need to take next once the adoption is there. So right now we're getting there where adoption is like, I think only like a few months ago or a couple months ago, Matt, you and I were talking about how PWAs are dead. Oh, yeah. And there are no, yep. no, not a thing. Now, all of a sudden, ever since that episode, which is really weird, they've all of a sudden had a resurgence. <laughs> yeah. It was like starting at that point. It was like, it was almost like we gave someone a kick in the ass. It was like, yeah, like, come on, boys. Like, oh, my like, God. What are these guys talking about? We have fucking everything in PWAs. So and, anyway. and I'm using them like crazy. Like, it's hard to get me to switch over. I'm using them like crazy. Uh, I just realized, sorry, that Twitter, I'm on Twitter.com right now. I want yeah. to check Twitter. Twitter has a PWA, has a little install icon here. That was one of the first ones uh, that had the PWA. Damn. And it worked pretty good. It worked pretty good. It's working better now, too. Like, they, they have updated their PWA support and stuff like that. 
Yeah, a lot of the time, because a lot of these lower power web devices are coming out, right? Like the Surface Go, the Chromebooks, all those things. That's where PWA shine, right? Like you don't need an app. You don't need a full baked in app where you could just you can just load up a PWA for most of your tasks, like word processing, uh, email, what else? Like new, like anything else, like you don't need apps anymore. You don't need native apps unless you have something that's heavy. But again, when you're going heavy, then you're going to be using already probably better equipment than those low power devices. So those low power devices are driving the adoption of PWAs as far as I can see. Yeah, there there's a lot more when it comes to when it comes to just using computers these days. It's a lot more about getting information across, sharing links, sharing like tweets and that type of thing. It's a lot about just getting information across, and so a lot of the a lot of the computing is actually done in the cloud, right? Uh, you know, Twitter obviously it's a big powerhouse because it has to process all these tweets. It has to show all these images. It has to show all these videos and all the rest of it. And so a lot of that is not done on your computer anymore. You know, the, the, the big, the big quote unquote consumer processor, uh, or processor heavy things, which would require the multiple threads and that type of thing would be a little bit of video editing. Uh, and, and it would be a little bit cause otherwise you're starting to get professional. Uh, same with, uh, phone, uh, camera, uh, what do you call those things? Pictures. Good Lord. Picture editing, those type of things, photo editing, those type of things that would be cool to do online as well. And you can do a little bit of that on Facebook and stuff, some trimming, some, you know, some whatever, but it'd be cool to see, I don't know, a Photoshop PWA or something like that, or a, a very light version of, of Lightroom or something. Well, I think there might be one online or something. I can't remember now, but there's stuff online that can edit photos and stuff, but it's not at the level of Photoshop. That, that, that's exactly, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like trying to a little bit more prosumer in that regard, but it would really benefit from having multiple threads and having multiple images. And so you're trying to overlay images and, you know, whatever else, whatever else people do with their vacation photos, if they're a little bit of a, you know, a home photographer, if you will, that's sort of what, that's sort of what, what would be awesome to see different games, for example, would be, would be great to see different games and stuff like that. Uh, different, um, just different ways, different ways to compute because once that, once that door opens, we're going to see a bunch of people come up with innovative stuff. We're going to see a bunch of crazy stuff come out different. Maybe we won't need OBS anymore to stream. You'll just use some PWA, you know, and that'd be awesome. Transcoding and all the rest of it will be done on, on your computer, but it's done via this PWA. And all you do is sign into your account and just install this PWA and bam, you know, you're already good to go. And that's offered by Twitch or something maybe in the future. And that would be crazy because if you know, if you're processing a 4k image, that's, that's a lot and you should have more than one core. I'd hope working on so stuff like that and that's just off that's just off the top we didn't know where apps were gonna go and look at them they're everywhere now and pwas like mike was saying a few weeks ago or maybe it was months but whatever was very recently we were just like man pwas suck and now i'm using them like crazy (laughs) like i'm they're all over my computer like i got a bunch of them so so we don't know where it's gonna go but once once those innovations come to light you know, it's just going to take, it's just going to take right off. And I'm really excited to see where something like edge goes. Absolutely. Edge is super interesting to me. And I'm, I'm interested to see where the future of every, of pretty much everything goes. A prime example is I just upgraded recently to Xbox game pass ultimate. So now that's Xbox live gold, Xbox game pass for the Xbox and then Xbox game pass for my computer. And now I just have a whole craft ton of games, like just, just games all over the place. Am I going to be able to play them all? No, but I'm going to be streaming a game tomorrow. And instead of me paying, well, in Canada, the average new game is 79.99. So 92 ish after taxes and sales taxes and all the rest of it. So instead of me paying 92, I'm paying 15 ish. I can't remember now, but 15 ish a month. And I'm getting my full gaming experience. You know, that's really cool. And that's actually saving me money because if I just boot up a game every now and then, instead of me buying a bunch of them, I haven't bought a game on my Xbox in a long time. Like, I shouldn't say that. It's like I bought, I haven't bought a lot of games on my Xbox in a long time. It used to be like <laughs> you used to, have to buy like a game a month, right? You know, I'm a gamer, so you go and you'd buy a game a month. Now it's like I'll buy a game every four, five, six months. Sometimes once a year, once or twice a year. That's that's what's happening here. And so it's interesting to see as things become more connected. I know I know this is off the topic of PWAs, but it's still the same type of thing, right? It's things are becoming more connected. Things are becoming more accessible. The things that are mundane, if you will, in terms of computing, like 
transferring text and stuff like that is becoming to the point where it's like that ah, just use the browser for that don't install the app and then the 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 heavier applications like lightroom and stuff is like well you better install the app now so very slowly we might see some of those things become mundane in terms of the computing power required and it might be like well editing photos is, is a joke don't worry about it editing 4k video is a joke don't worry about it you don't need a lot of power don't worry about it whether that's offloaded onto the cloud or whether our processors and our gpus get so powerful it doesn't matter but that is what's happening my first hard drive was 10 gigs. I was just, I was looking at a, because uh, I, I have no USB sticks. Apparently an elf came and took every USB stick I've ever owned, which was like 300 of them. And they're all gone. So I was like, man, should I buy another USB stick? And I'm trying to think to myself, no, I should probably get a portable Samsung SSD. Well, the crap, like the, the, not the crappiest model, but the smallest model, 500 gig, like 500 gig, mm-hmm. 10 gig. Like I, I started now. on 10 gigs. I'm not an old man. Neither of us are, you know? So we're getting to, we're getting, this is, I know this is just a PWA talk or like that's where it stemmed, but this is like a big innovation. Like this is like an app. This is like, this is like mobile apps all over again. Mobile apps used to be a joke. Look, oh look, it looks like my screen is cracked. Remember those apps? Now look at them. They're all over the damn place. You don't even need to bring your wallet sometimes. You just freaking pay with your phone. I paid on my watch the other day. There's also ID uh, apps, so you can put your uh, driver's license in, in an app. You don't even have to bring... You definitely don't have to bring your phone then. Like, that's, you know, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot a lot going on. A lot of innovation is happening. Now with COVID, even more innovations happening for online stuff. So it's like everything's kind of driving. The driving force is getting there. There is some scamming stuff, like you taught. You mentioned all these um, subscriptions. Some of them are great. Some of them, you can get subscription overload at some point. Uh, I feel like I'm going to reach it at, oh, at some point. Oh, I've already but, hit it. Come on now. Yeah. But like, it's just every deal is so like, you know, every time you look at it, it's so good because you're getting all these games for $15 a month or $10 a month or whatever, even $5 a month. Uh, the regular PC Microsoft Game Pass is $5 a month. That's a good deal. That, There's that, a lot that's of games That's a damn good deal. Like, that's good a Lord. damn good deal. Yeah, that's a damn good deal. The $15 a month for both of them is also a really, really good deal if you play a lot of games. And it comes with Xbox Live Gold. Don't forget that. Yeah. That's another. That's, that's what another I mean. Thing. Like, it's, it's a lot of, that's a lot of value for your money. But you have to be a person that uses it. Like, Matt, you, you play a lot of games. You get your, your money's worth out I'm of getting that. my damn money's worth. Any, right, yeah. Yeah. But I guarantee you that 95% of their base does not get their money's worth. And that's how they make money on the subscriptions. That's why subscriptions are so convenient uh, for companies to do is because a lot of the time, People don't use them. Like, it's like, it's why gym memberships are so expensive and so, like, you know, gyms make money, a lot of money on them because when they sell, you know, a thousand gym memberships, only about a hundred of those people are going to go into their gyms and actually use them. It's free money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. It's literally free money. That's what subscriptions are all about, right? Like, it's it's about leveraging the the community of people that aren't going to be using your product and supplying it for the people that are, um... I mean, not. Oh, sorry. I want. I don't want to say all all subscriptions, but that is a subscription model that a lot of people go and use, and could be ne- a detrimental one for a lot of people because again, people subscribe for something and then you just never use it. Well, one one and, one prime yeah. example thing is, I I uh, bought my my parents play uh, very casual games, and so literally for like Christmas or something, if they're low on games because they just rip through them, I'll be like, hey, pick out because their games are cheaper. Pick pick out 10, 20, 30 games. I don't care, and just like put them all in the cart and I'll just buy them because they're digital, right? They kind of have like a steam ish thing. It's not actually steam. It's whatever uh, game launcher they have. And when I buy it, it says, well, you could pay a hundred and X dollars or you could pay 83 if you sign up for a subscription. And so what happens is, and I, and I just did it. I forgot to friggin' unsubscribe after that first month. And I got freaking paid an extra $8 or whatever it was. Yep. But I mean, I still saved, so I don't really care. Uh, last night I was, I've never tried an audio book, never tried an audio book in my life. So I was like, Oh, I'll try an audio book. Sure sure enough freaking audible oh, oh here's your first it's month a great free. deal well i'm not i'm not audible's, gonna, I'm not audible's an amazing deal audible. but you forget people everyone always, i always forget my, about my audible subscription damn because i don't want like i don't need an audiobook a month i don't listen to that many audiobooks i well i'm i'm not i just wanted the two free credits and then i'm gonna well i say that i'm gonna unsubscribe this month I'm probably gonna freaking forget but i'm gonna unsubscribe this month and then i'll just buy them if i like them i i've listened to like 10 minutes of one in one book you know but 
but yeah yeah audiobooks are actually pretty awesome on a completely side note topic uh when i was driving a lot i was listening to a lot or when i was flying a lot i was listening to a lot of audiobooks they're fantastic way to spend the time when you don't want to look down at a page or look at a screen i used it last night to fall asleep too and i don't know if that's a good Mm -hmm. idea because then i'm going to miss a bunch of concerts and be falling asleep but uh put on the sleep timer and that type of thing and that's what i used it for but uh but yeah yeah like i mean things are just getting to the point where i mean audible like it has a a windows app but it could i mean i haven't checked if it does but it could just be a, a web app and that and and playing music or whatever used to be a big thing. You used to have that Windows Media Player and all this other crap. Now you don't need to worry about any of that. It's just mundane, super easy, whatever. Play it online if you want, like whatever. But but yeah, I think that uh, I think that concludes the uh, the old episode. Unless you have anything to add there, Mike. Nope. Um, I think that concludes it. That concludes it. So uh, thank you for listening, and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on those socials via at HTML, all the things. That's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is at HTML everything. We're on Medium, and we're on that GitHub. And remember, we're also on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. Check out those tiers and give them a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patron, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. Find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. Find him at localpathcomputing.com. Craig, a.k.a. Cosworth. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. Find him at blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer. Find him at selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker. Find him at thewebhacker.com. And DL Ford from dlford.io. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you're listening to this on. And we are signing off. <laughs>